I, I have a three over a three hour layover in Houston, which fucking sucks. Yeah. Because there is no direct flight from Austin to New Orleans. No. At all. No. You have to lay over in Houston. Yeah. I hate that. To. I hate that because the flight's an hour and one minute if you don't have a layover. Yeah, you have to. What's weird, too, is back in the day, let's rewind the clock. Not even ten years ago. Layovers were a breeze. You know why? Why? They would put maps of the airport that you're flying to in your... And you're in the little seat back, so you could be like, okay, I'm here. I'm landing at this gate. I'm going to be at this gate, so we got to do this. None of that exists anymore. Okay. They're just like, fuck you. You got a layover? Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. Figure it out. If you have a good, like, co-pilot or a good flight attendant, they'll be like, all right, and the layovers layovers for our most popular destinations are blank, 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 and blank, and they're all on time and stuff. (laughs) Nine times out of ten, it's like, for those of you who have a layover... Get bent. <laughs> Fuck you. Die. Who cares? Crawl into a field and die of exposure. Zero credits. Tumblr banning porn has already backfired. Now more of their users are getting off than ever before. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name is John. And together we're Henry and John discussing the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist. I've added a new... (laughs) A new segment to this long as hell intro. Yeah, you've done that two or three times now. I just want people to know, because I think the show where we talk about things, it fits our dumb anti-marketing brand. Yeah. That we've cultivated. Yeah, we've cultivated an an anti-popularity brand, which is working great. Uh, (laughs) Yes, it's working gangbusters. Yeah. We still have yet to take off because of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I just add that little bit about discussing the cultural happenings of the zeitgeist, because that's what we actually do. Yeah, it's basically like, uh, it's basically like if you had to get the news, uh, but you could only read the news through a newspaper that was underwater, painted, pointed at a funhouse mirror. Yes. <laughs> and you, ha- it, it, what, what it really is, is it's that. But somebody is using that mirror and then talking to you over like a, a tin can connected thing. Yeah. And they don't speak perfect English. That's yeah. what we do. And the your end of the tin can is not pointed at your ear. <laughs> you have to interpret it through the vibrations on your belly. Yeah. So basically what we're saying is you're getting the first rate cultural happening news right here with all those other filters Slapped onto it. It's zero credits news through a glass darkly. <laughs> through a glass darkly. That'd be a good name for a podcast. <laughs> it would be. Uh, it probably is already. And today we're sponsored by a little brewery called Breckenridge Brewery. Out of uh, Colorado. Because as if this podcast was not enough of a time and money sink, we now decide to buy expensive craft beer every time we record. This was only $10 at the local supermarket. Oh, that's actually pretty... Oh, you mean Supermercado? The Supermercado. And uh, yes, it does come from Colorado. In fact, it comes (laughs) from... Supermercado, Colorado? It comes from Breckenridge. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. And this is their Christmas ale. 
And it sounds like... Okay, so that... You're getting better, because usually when we open beers on the podcast, it takes you at least three tries. That's the second beer. The second beer usually takes me three tries. Uh, and yes. I have not yet tried their Christmas ale, but it's described as a multi, a multi full-bodied winter warmer. I think we might as well give the listeners a review. Christmassy as hell. Full-bodied, lots of legs. Yes, uh, it's it's uh, it definitely has that thing that I like in a Christmas ale, in that it kind of punches you in the face and kind of feels like you're drinking mincemeat. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's got like a. I don't know how to describe this. It's got like a small bite to it. It's, it's and then that gives away to like this smooth sort of taste. It doesn't really taste like anything. Yeah, it's kind of like biting a pine tree. I like it, though. All right, so we're going to be sipping on that for the the duration of the episode. As you probably have figured out by now, we're doing this, I don't know, for the holiday season, let's say? Yeah, we just can't keep going. We've got this, we've got, what, three, three more episodes before the ultimate holidays upon us? Judgment Day. <laughs> Judgment Day, upon which all beer is free. All wines are fair game. <laughs> Yes, uh, all Sherry's Deep Discount. Yes. So. Have you ever been to Deep Discount Sherry's? No. Oh, it's... Uh, How many Sherry's do they have at Deep Discount Sherry's? Twelve. For the twelve days of Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a beer... Not a beer. That's a spirit that you never see anywhere as a Sherry. Or really a brandy. Maybe these... I just don't have exposure to these. I thought brandy was a kind of whiskey. It is. Wait, or is brandy a kind of super wine? No. Is that sherry? What's sherry? I don't know. Sounds French. I don't have... Okay, here's what we're gonna do. Right now, we're gonna name three alcohols that we know-ish exist, uh, that we have no exposure to and have probably never had. That's hard to do. Uh... Wait, between the between us, we're going to name three or three each? Maybe not never had, because you and I have lived uh, long, fairly alcoholic lives. I'm nearly 50. Uh, but a, I'll, I'll start with one. Uh, limoncello. I've had one or two limoncellos in my entire life. It's a lemon liqueur. Okay. Out of Italy. Out of, hence the cello. <laughs> yes, hence the cello. It's lemon plus cello. Would that... Does this taste like lemon? Do you mix it with something, or you drink it straight? You're supposed to drink it in tiny cups. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you one, John, that I actually tried over the holiday to my distaste. Okay. It was a Bloody Mary. Ooh. Yeah, Bloody Mary, for sure. You've never had one before? I, I had never had one. My dad prepared me it. Oh, that'll that'll turn you against a Bloody Mary real <laughs> quick, is having someone else prepare it for you. Apparently... What it tastes like is soup. It's yeah. a vodka soup with tomato juice. Yeah, to- but tomato juice. Tomato juice, almost like a sauce. Yeah. Celery stalks, if you're into that. Uh huh. I don't know what else is in it. It's gross. Salt, pepper, celery salt, maybe. Why? Olives, okra, Why? onion rings. Yeah, people put sandwiches on top of it. People put Disgusting. dumb shit. I do not want to drink an alcoholic soup. Uh, yeah, so one of the worst things that you can do for yourself, other than have your dad prepare a Bloody Mary for you, and Bloody Marys are such dad drinks, 
Uh, but if you were to go to, let's say, uh, a fancy-ish brunch restaurant that has a build-your-own-bloody-mary bar, you will, without a doubt, produce the single most disgusting Bloody Mary possible. I don't care who you are. A, you, you a could, Bloody Mary you make yourself that you can pour whatever amount of vodka and tomato juice and olives into, you're dead. It doesn't matter how many online bartending, sorry, mixology classes you take. Bloody Marys are like the white whale of alcohol. They're they're impossible to mix. I've never had a good one. I wish that I could. Uh, so my second alcohol that I've had very uh, little, if any, exposure to has got to be... Well, no, I have had straight amaretto before. Um, Delicious when mixed. Yeah, Aperol. Never heard of it. Uh, Aperol is like a liqueur mixer. I don't know what it's made of. It's in a lot of real fancy cocktails. Now, you, you keep saying liqueur, and the only liqueur I know is Kahlua. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have exposure to Kahlua? Yeah. Okay, well then it's not on your list. Yeah, no, it's good for uh, like a white Russian. Okay. Kahlua. Oh yeah, I've had a lot of white Russians too. Me too. Now, I guess my se- I guess we're doing this. I guess this is now a segment. I guess. Liquors it can be a short ex- segment. It can be a short, short segment. I, my second alcohol I don't have much exposure to is gin. Gin? Okay. What is gin? Is that like dry vodka? It's like j- juniper berries? Gin is made up... Here's the thing. Gin is made up of the craziest shit. It's... I'm not a huge gin fan, but I respect people who are, because it seems like something that a wood nymph would drink. So it's just like a bunch of crushed berries that are distilled? I I feel like juniper berries are an important part of gin, but I don't know enough about gin to say exactly what it is made out of. And it's not short for engine. No, it is not at all. Wait, do you mean engine? Like in a car? As in a... Okay. That's in a cotton gin, my friend. Oh, I'm sorry. Like a cotton... Oh, cotton... Engine. Okay. I thought you were, like, taking no. this back to a cowboy time. No. Isn't that... That's a little offensive if I would have said... It would be, which is why I audited it. I would not have said that, John. Do you not know me? Now, of course, the number one with a bullet thing that I don't have any exposure to uh, is just brandy. As, as talked about earlier, I have no... Ex- <laughs> Harking back to five minutes ago. <laughs> Harking back to five minutes ago. Okay, I could come up with a real one other than Brandy since it has been discussed. I have relatively little to no exposure to... Are we doing brands, mixed drinks, anything? Do whatever you want. I have had in my life two uh, martinis. Oh, you're really? I do not care for a martini. I had a gin martini and a vodka martini. Not a fan. See, my dad does those things. He has a go-to drink. It's a... Uh... Bloody Mary that it prepares for his son. No, they got into that recently for some reason. But his go-to drink is usually a vodka and soda water okay. mixed drink. Mm-hmm. Would you call that a martini? It's no. not in a martini glass. I would... I don't think martinis have soda water in them. Okay. I don't think martinis are carbonated. What? Is in it? It is. Virus and threat protection. Oh no! I don't know what's in a martini. I could look it up. I feel like it's. Don't look it up. I feel like it's gin and olive juice. <laughs> That's probably. But not you can right. have a vodka martini. Yeah, vodka and olive juice shaken. So uh, I, I not went. Stirred. I probably told this story on the podcast, but my first exposure to a martini uh, was I went to a fancy-ish 
restaurant, they had, uh, like, $10 entrees, and I was fresh before college, and I took my then-girlfriend to this place, and I decided I want to uh, impress her, and I want to order two... Well, I was ordering one vodka martini, and then because this was on the coast near the beach, every place has weird sales on drinks. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you can get two for the price of one. Uh, and I was dating an older woman at the time. Uh, so I went to the table with two huge, dumb vodka martinis, looked like an idiot, hated the taste of them, drank them both really quick. Uh, and then just made a fool out of myself for the entire rest of the evening. Sounds amazing. It was real dumb. Sounds great. It was also the first time that I had a sex on the beach, which is a delicious drink. Yes. It's real good. It's a drink. Yes, it is. <laughs> for my third and, let's say, final, for the love of God. Yeah, please. Alcohol that I'm not familiar with. It's a, it, it's it's the punchline. It's not the punchline. It's the setup of a joke. Okay. It's called the grasshopper. Oh, uh, I don't know what it is, but I know that it's green? I only know it from the joke. Oh, what's the joke? A, uh, a, a man who likes to drink. Uh-huh. Has a lot of drinks. Uh-huh. And he's stumbling home from the bar. Is this a story about your dad? No. <laughs> this is a joke. Classic joke. The man stumbling, he's stumbling. You know how when you're drunk... You're drunk, your head gets heavy, so you're kind of drooping over. Yeah, so like if you if you chug two vodka martinis on an empty stomach. And so he's looking down, he, he comes across a grasshopper. And he says, hey, you know, he's slurring his words. He's saying, hey, you know, there's a drink named after you. And the grasshopper says, there's a drink called Tim? Ugh. I knew the punchline... Halfway through, like, it awoke the memory in me of the joke. So that's a famous joke. Yeah. And that's how I would tell it, because I like to take all simple <laughs> jokes and make them longer for no reason. I've, I've, never, I've never had a grasshopper, never will. Thank God that segment's over. Have right. you ever walked into a totally unnecessary segment before? Yes. Just because you want to do a bit? Yes. Every episode... I don't know if you've noticed this. Our, our, our podcast episodes... Lately, have been following a little a little path. I do my ever increasing long intro. We bullshit for a good ten to fifteen minutes. Accomplished. That becomes a weird segment, and then we actually start the episode. Okay, I, I did not realize we had a. We format. do this every week. <laughs> I'm glad that we uh, I'm glad that we actually we, uh, kept to the format. <laughs> I'm proud of us. We, we talk about. We sort of hint at what we want to talk about in the podcast episode, and then both of us are so timid. That neither of us wants to go first, and that ends up in the 10 to 15 minute bullshit before one of us is like, alright. This has to end and we have to talk about my thing. Exactly. Uh, so I'm going to do that now. Okay, cool. Uh, so <laughs> the the thing that I would like to talk about, uh, and this was born out of an event in my life that we need not discuss, but it is the fact that I saw Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet. Oh. Or Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Uh, There's a lot to unpack about that movie. But uh, it made me think... Why? Sorry. It made me think about intellectual property. Okay. It made me think about intertextualism, which is something that we've uh, interchangeably, like, lauded and hated on this podcast. <laughs> See our entire supplemental reading of The Last Jedi. Yeah. We, we in sometimes say... Uh, 
If you take The Last Jedi, for example, sometimes intertextuality, commentary on that is good. I, I think that it is a real phenomenon, but I also think that we're in the throes of an unabashed period of intertextuality, which is the referencing of something in itself. So, you know that Marvel movies exist. Yes, I, I, I happen to be aware of a couple. Now, we've talked about quite a few of them on this podcast, and we're big fans of a few of them, such as Captain America the First Avenger. Cappy America Civil War. Uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. There's not another one that starts with Captain America, there so is Thor no. Ragnarok. Captain Marvel America. Uh, but yes, we are, we're big fans of certain Marvel movies. Uh, something that I was thinking about today, and I started to do a little bit of detective work on. Uh, so you're aware that since 2017, actually about a year ago. Okay, since 2017. Since 2017, there has been a talk in the works for a merger of, of entertainment giants. And the Disney Fox merger? The Disney Fox merger, which is now uh, people fear nearing its completion. It's all but complete. I think I think it's just like Rupert Murdoch needs to sign a, a form. So if you look back in late October, Fox started to move the movies that it had scheduled away from the major uh, Disney releases... So it's, there was, episode nine was coming out alongside the sequel to uh, Murder on the Orient Express, okay. which I guess is uh, as close as Fox gets to a blockbuster, but they're starting to stagger these away from uh, Disney releases. Interesting. So it's really all but complete. They're, they're effectively waiting to become one giant mega company. Yeah, Doc's. Uh, yes, Docs or Fisney. Or Fisney. Uh, so Disney Marvel Star Wars uh, is now merging with Fox Marvel Star Wars. Uh, not so Star Wars. But the the most, the biggest thing that people are taking away from this, and these are people with who are uh, soulless monsters, is they're very excited for all the new intellectual properties that Marvel Studios is now going to have a direct hand in, most notably bringing X-Men and Deadpool into the Marvel canon. If they want to. If they want to, which the Russo brothers today released an interview that said doing so is all but certain. Okay. But also the Russo brothers like to fuck with people. This would mean a reboot of sorts... Hugh Jackman retired. So did Charles Xavier. Uh, this would... There is no I mean, way. Sir Patrick Stewart. <laughs> yes. There is no way that they could uh, onboard... This is really the best move, if you think about it, for what Fox did. Because they made a, uh, a canonical, super depressing ending... Uh, to their long-running X-Men franchise to make it so it's effectively impossible to onboard that into the any Marvel. existing property. The Star Wars universe. Unless you say that the end of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Logan, in which case that would be great. Would be phenomenal. Because then not only are all the mutants dead, but so are all the superheroes. <laughs> yeah, everyone's dead at the end. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. Uh, but yes, that would be great. Probably not going to happen. But this is also... It's too many. It's too many. It's too many. It's too many franchises. I, I thought that this 
could not stand when Marvel was about to onboard Lucasfilm. And in the short time that Disney has onboarded Lucasfilm and bought it, uh, they've kind of ruined the cultural cachet of Star Wars almost entirely. Except for Rogue One. Rogue One was good. Uh, and so was Last Jedi. They've produced, uh, well, because they were there for Last Jedi, they've produced one of the best Star Wars movies ever made. Uh, thanks, Ryan Johnson. But <laughs> directly falling out of that... We were a bigger podcast. The words, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Ryan Johnson. We would just see an immediate crash in listenership. Like, good. Those words are so inciting. <laughs> good. Uh, Ryan Johnson did a good job, uh, as we discussed. But I think that the... I think that they kind of ruined the social and cultural cachet of Star Wars because Star Wars is now just a movie that comes out every year and fucking whatever for the most part. Uh, and I'm very concerned if we continue these high-level mergers of entertainment companies. I mean, at this point, who is even left to acquire? WB. I'll tell you who's left to acquire. WB. Uh, who is it? Columbia? The people who own the rights to Ghost Rider. What? They need to onboard Ghost Rider into the MCU, is what I'm saying. Technically, Sony has all of the Spider-Man rogues. Yeah. What is, uh... What is Spider-Verse? Is Spider- Spider-Verse is gonna be Marvel now. Into the Spider-Verse? Spider-Man, the character, yes. is Marvel. His rogues, however... As in Venom, Black Cat. They're all so... No, they're all Fox? Somebody the Hunter? A Craven the Hunter. Craven the Hunter. They're all Sony. And Sony has started its Spider-Verse without Spider-Man. Oh, boy. So starting with Venom. Venom set up a canonical cinematic universe. It's going to continue in either Venom 2 or Black Cat. Uh-huh. And there's a Craven the Hunter, I believe it's Craven the Hunter, film also in the works. Great. Making Sony's Spider-Man-less Spider-Verse cinematic universe. However you want to break that apart. So Sony needs to be acquired. Sure. Great. Uh, uh, this is ridiculous. WB, let's make the DC cinematic universe a yeah. part of the Marvel cinematic universe. <laughs> we will heal the rift between the comic universes and we will bring them all under one massive we are going to live in a world eventually henry where there is no such thing as a marvel cinematic universe or a dc cinematic universe there will just be a cinematic universe in which sherlock holmes exists in the same timeline as doctor strange the incredible hulk winnie the pooh the tasmanian devil and hitler and then finally we can have the Kingdom Hearts movie that we deserve. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, baby. I'm not. I'm not excited. I don't know. Everyone's really excited for this merger, but it's a seventy billion dollar. Which is an insane amount of money. It's a $70 billion conglomeration of a bunch of intellectual properties to a really dangerous place. The, the funny thing is, back in the day, I believe it was the Rockefellers? Yeah, the Rockefellers. They owned steel. 
Yes. They owned Steel in America. Wait, Steel the DC cinematic <laughs> no, character? No, They oh. owned the element... That's not an element. The compound Steel. Yeah. In America, for all of it. As we all know, Steel is a compound between iron and wine. Continue. Iron and wine. Sweet iron and wine. Okay, but then there was sweeping antitrust litigation that broke up that monopoly. The same thing happened with, uh, I believe it was called Bell South. Uh huh. Was split up, or no, before that, it was called something else. Uh, Ma Bell, maybe, and that yeah. w- that made Bell South and a bunch of other telephone companies. Why? How? Why and how is Disney being allowed to acquire all of these entertainment properties? Aren't we getting to a weird antitrust place where we- they're becoming like? way too dominant of a force in their industry. It's because antitrust laws haven't touched the entertainment industry in years. Uh but they need to. Why yeah, well, I saw stopping? Ralph breaks the internet. And let me tell you, uh, he, okay. Why did you I say have that? I have a lot of respect, hear the, me out. The first movie's really good, but why? I have a lot of respect for Wreck It Ralph as a movie because it might be one of my favorite Disney movies. Because it's a weird alt-comedy version of what a Disney movie should be. It's it's the best. Like, the villain learns that it's okay to be a villain. That's fine. And the thing that I love about it, more than anything, is it's a love letter to my, my childhood. And it does it tastefully. It does it well. It's funny. And Ralph Breaks the Internet is a funny, well-done movie that continues the trend that I really liked in Wreck-It Ralph of hiring and then well-representing comedians who are really funny and haven't been in Disney movies. John C. Riley? John C. Riley. Sarah Silverman? Silver, Sarah Silverman. Bill Hader's in this one. I like Bill Hader. Bill Hader's great in this one. You should one. watch Barry. Uh, I heard Barry's very good. I've watched three episodes. Is it on Showtime? It's an HBO. Oh, so I need the HBO go. Yeah. I love Bill Hader a lot. Uh, but He's super talented. He is in Ralph Breaks the Internet, and I think that Ralph Breaks the Internet is um, fun, but it is also, much like Logan was, a genuine look in at the end of the world. Uh, because they, the end of the world or just the end of culture? One of the two. They go to the internet and the entirety of the internet in Ralph Breaks the Internet is number one. Uh, every technology company that Disney could send a letter to to be represented in the film. So Snapchat, Facebook, Google, Instagram. Amazon, eBay, whatever. Uh, Instagram uh, is all over the place. TikTok. In addition, every intellectual property that Disney now owns is represented. So you see like Zootopia animals near Stormtroopers and there's a Darth Vader Mickey Mouse. So it's basically like going to Disney World, but in a movie. Kind of. Because if you go to Disney World, it's like they got Star Wars World. They got James Cameron's Avatar Land. Yes. It's this is like why? Like when I think of Disney World, it should be like Winnie the Pooh area. Yeah. Mickey Mouse area. Animal Kingdom. Buzz Lightyear's Playhouse. Big Tree. Big Tree. Uh yes, that is what it, it should and maybe this is that's what it could and maybe should be like. But I when I watch Ralph Breaks the Internet, it's just such a bummer because I feel like the people who wrote that, and I mean, the ultimate message about Ralph Breaks the Internet is about insecurity, and insecurity being poisonous, and jealousy being poisonous. Once again, continuing the trend of really good messages in these Wreck-It Ralph movies, I feel like the writers really could have said something about, 
either intertextuality or branding or even just internet toxicity with it, which they touch on for about 15 seconds. Okay. It just completely squanders its message. And when you have writers that good and subversive, slightly outside comedians that good, it's a shame for you to have a thing that takes place in a giant fucking marketing dystopia and not say anything about it. I I I can't comment on this because I haven't seen it, but it, it just seemed to me the biggest mistake that movie could make is leaving the arcade for the internet. Yes. Like, when when the first movie is a love letter to video games, that would be like, okay, Toy Story, the first movie, a love letter to the toys we grew up with. Second movie, apps. Yes. Why? Uh so they they ditch nostalgia instead to Focus entirely on the internet, which it's a love letter of a different sort because the first movie was a a love letter to video games and video game culture from the 80s, the 90s, and today. There we go. Shut uh, up. And it's not easy. But no, it, it was a, a love letter to video gaming uh, and especially to our childhoods. And if you look at the two kinds of love letters, the first one is a very lovingly written, detailed, yearning, time-spanning love letter to this thing that a lot of us identify with. Which is also, at the same time, it's very tongue-in-cheek with, like, really kind of, like, observational humor takes. So in the first-person shooter game, the player character is literally just a camera with arms. Yes. Like, like, really genuinely funny takes on these games in a loving way. Mm-hmm. And and Ralph Breaks the Internet is a it's a love letter to the internet in the way that you could receive a love letter that just describes your physical characteristics like a serial killer wrote it. Oh, okay. There is no love of the internet represented in Ralph Breaks the Internet. There's just statements of fact. Uh, okay. Let me break from this for a second because I didn't want to talk about Ralph Breaks the Internet. A core and central conceit is that Ralph needs to make money to purchase something to fix a problem. And he learns that you can make money through the Internet and making viral videos. Right? Uh, And then it is a journey with ups and downs comedically and writing-wise about how he sells out to trends to make viral videos about these trends until he has enough money. But there is no commentary in it. There's nothing talking about how that's a soulless pursuit, how you get paid pennies for debasing yourself to chase trends. It's just a fact, and it just happens in the movie and it's taken for truth. And it's a movie that's for kids. That sounds awful. It's like debase yourself to create viral videos to earn a pittance. It's ludicrous. It, it's ludicrous and disappointing to me that this movie is something that kids are supposed to watch. And yes, it does touch on internet toxicity for a second. And it has a greater message about insecurity. Those two things aren't linked. And all it does for the duration of the movie, other than make jokes every once in a while, is just show you how debased the internet is with no greater commentary on it. I don't like it. 
I, I don't like it either. As someone who grew up on the internet, the internet's a terrible place to be. Yes, the internet is a terrible place, and it's hard to believe that it is getting worse every day. Yeah. Anyway, Ralph Breaks the Internet made me upset. Uh, Disney and Fox are going to merge. Eventually all things will become one thing. Everything is a circle. I believe it's uh, the the novelization of Cloud Atlas, which is the incorrect term. The novel Cloud Atlas uh, in one of the in the future segment, movies are just called Disney's, and that's where we're heading. Yes. Even though I think it's I don't know, that's a it's a funny thing, that chapter of Cloud Atlas, because futurism's hard. If you just call cameras Sony's, you can't have predicted that just our fucking phones would become our cameras. Yeah. You can't just call cars Fords. Yeah, Ford... Like, I get it. I David know. Mitchell was like, we call adhesive strips Band-Aids now, because Band-Aid was a brand. Futurism. Uh, that brand of futurism is hard to do. I love David Mitchell, though. I like the comedian. Oh, uh, Mr. Peepee? No... There's two people in the world named... D- There's more than two people. Yeah. There are multiple David Mitchells. One is an author. One's an author. And one's one a br- is Mr. Peepy. One's a British comedian. He's in Peep Show. Mr. Peepy. <laughs> anyway. His character, Mr. Peepy, goes on crazy adventures. I think that we watch different shows. <laughs> His name's not Mr. Peepy. Oh, I was watching Mr. Bean. That makes more sense now. So it's very interesting that you wanted to talk about Wreck-It... Breaking the Internet. Wreck-It Ralph. (laughs) Ralph, What is it called? Ralph Wrecks the Breaking. Is it called Wreck-It Ralph... Ralph Breaks the Internet? Yes, it is. Jesus Christ, that's a mouthful. It's called Wreck-It Ralph... Reference to a naked picture of Kim Kardashian from fucking six years ago. Portrait of a young Ralph. (laughs) Aging. Yes. So it's very interesting you wanted to talk about the internet, because a major scandal is breaking out this week. It actually, the announcement happened yesterday, and so this is late breaking news. And I think you might have heard of it, because you referenced the site earlier in our warm-ups, and also my, my, the opening joke is a callback to this topic. Wait, is this kind of writing called foreshadowing? If this were written, sure. Okay. So did you hear that Tumblr will be banning all adult content on December 17th? Yes, it's all over my feed. It's all over everywhere. Everyone's talking about it. And apparently, according to the comments, everyone only used Tumblr for adult content. I cannot speak to that, but it is true. What? So, okay. Uh, a fair amount of people on... I mean, Tumblr is used for a lot of things. Uh, Apparently not. Erotic fiction. That's it. Erotic drawings. That's it. Pictures of naked people. That's it. Straight up pornography. Sex workers. Oh, really? Yeah, Tumblr... Where, where it's legal? I mean, sex work is not legal in the United States, but... Uh, Nevada. Other than Nevada, where it's this weird, like, hegemonic brothel system. Don't know what that means. Uh, Also Vegas, which is in Nevada. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. In Tumblr was a fairly safe place for sex workers to ply their trade. 
Uh, but now female presenting nipple is banned. Yeah, that's what such weird wording. <laughs> I really do female not. Female presenting nipple. Was that written by our machine? <laughs> They're like, what should we ban? Female presenting nipple. For those of you who don't know, Tumblr will permanently ban adult content from its platform on December 17th in a move that will eradicate porn-related communities on the platform and fundamentally alter how the service is used. The ban includes explicit sexual content and nudity with a few exceptions. Uh, the company tells The Verge. This article I'm reading comes from The Verge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new policies announcement comes just days after Tumblr was removed from Apple's iOS App Store over a child pornography incident. Ooh, that's a that, that's not an incident you want to have. Yeah, no, never. But it it extends far beyond the matter alone. Open quote: Adult content will no longer be allowed here. Close quote. The company flat flatly stated in a blog post published on Monday. And then here's the weird wording. Banned content includes photos, videos, and GIFs of human genitalia. Oh, no mention of animal genitalia. <laughs> Female presenting nipples. Mm-hmm. Presenting. <laughs> For what? your consideration, I present to you my female nipples. I present to you nipples. And any media involving sex acts, including illustrations. Okay, so all adult... What about male presenting nipple? No mention. Uh, what about naked pictures of human beings with animal genitalia photoshopped over it? No mentions. I think we found our loophole. Time to make a million. This is so weird. It keeps going. Uh, the new guidelines exclude... Wait, Hardy. The exceptions include... Include nude classical statues and political protests that feature nudity. The new guidelines exclude text, so erotica remains permitted. Okay. Illustrations and art that feature nudity are still okay, so long as sex acts aren't depicted, and so are breastfeeding and afterbirth photos. So wait, they're saying that just to make sure, did you say that classical statues and political protests, they're exceptions? Oh, okay, okay, that's... I mean, that's not it, okay. Not Nothing about weird. this is okay. This is weird. It, it becomes a weird thing. Where, like, If you're going to draw a line in the sand, you have to be very explicit about that line. What What is on one side, what is on the other? And they're doing that, but they're doing that in the weirdest wording possible. But why would you ban adult content rather than just age gating? Age gating is the oldest trick in the book, and there's no reason not to do it. the the whole The whole scenario surrounding this this con- age well, what am I saying? This adult content ban is very interesting, and by interesting, I mean nobody knows exactly what's happening. Okay, but there are rumors, and uh, the rumor mill is saying that. A little while ago, Apple took down Tumblr's smartphone app from their store because some blogs were found to have child porn in them. Okay. Tumblr quickly banned those blogs and then installed new rules to get on Apple's good side. But after this occurred, Tumblr also banned a bunch of not-safe-for-work artists, many of which did not have child porn Uh content 
They were just adult content. They got banned. Some thought it was a bug in the system. And then the, the kicker is the tag furry was supposedly wiped out from the search function. Weird. So it seems like there was a lot of internal sort of decisions that were not telegraphed well. Yeah, not a lot of like openly vetted decisions on what was and was not banned. But then when you look deeper, they did ban child pornography content. Uh-huh. But what they did, they left the original posting. Okay. So they, they would ban the picture, let's say, and leave a message saying that this this content was banned because it's against our terms of services. Yeah. But then you had this list of all these people who reblogged it. Oh, boy. On all of these blogs that feature content of the of oh similar boy. nature. So it's like, oh, sh- shoot, that one picture got banned. Guess I'll click on any one of these other blogs that were not banned. And so it was a real botched situation. So it really f- seems like, oh, no, I only killed five of the ants. Better burn the house down. Maybe this is a reductive stance. I I don't know. Uh, so they, they're banning adult content, seemingly at least from what the indications we have, because there were instances of people posting, like, genuine child pornography. Yes. Uh, which is horrible, horrible, detestable. Should never be tolerated in any circumstance. But those people who are posting child pornography... Were doing so. They were doing so in deference to the law to begin with. So yeah, it was, they already knew it they, was illegal. They already knew it was illegal. So I don't understand how banning adult content stops that behavior from happening. It's like if you were to. Okay. It's, it's like the argument that gun control won't stop criminals from having guns. Is that what you're trying to say? I don't think it's necessarily the same thing because it's not that adult content allowed these people. Because, like, if you say everyone can have a gun, some people will use that to murder people. But it it's like saying if you want to take down adult content with the intention of not allowing child pornography, it's like outlawing hands. Yeah, because hands could possibly do anything. Hands they could, could pull the trigger. Yeah. They could upload illicit content. Yeah, it's 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 banning something that is a a factor of the problem they're trying to solve. But like the the fact that it's it's ludicrous because the idea that it's like featuring nakedity is not the problem. It's that it's child pornography. You're, and what you're doing by banning all adult content is you're equating child pornography which is completely unacceptable with all adult content you're you're putting them on the same level yeah you're saying we couldn't snip the problem of child pornography at the root so we're just going to do a widespreading blanket ban on all adult content that way for sure we get the child pornography problem out of the way but how even would that stop it because if if their idea is to ideally stop child pornography, how does banning all adult content stop that from happening? Well, it's only on their platform. They're just they're not trying to stop the problem of child pornography. They're just but saying, just on their platform. But like, how does if no nudity? Yeah, no nudity is allowed. Therefore, that includes illicit nudity. Okay, 
So just get rid of all of it. I could maybe see that. You would have to moderate the hell out of it. It's probably an algorithm. Most likely. Because it... Yeah. Because... It's probably a vetted algorithm. We're that's, getting... why, that's why they said that certain things are okay, but they probably have an algorithm that detects nipples. We're getting to a point where AI can identify pictures... People train it through like captchas and something like stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. We're, so we're getting to the point where algorithms can detect certain features in photos, and so it's going to be a widespread, probably algorithm-driven ban. But it's it. It is interesting to note that this is coming after another change of hands for Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tumblr was bought a little while ago by Yahoo. Yeah. And then even more recently, Verizon acquired it. So you know what's funny about that? What's up? So uh, in... This is going to be way outside of the scope of what Zero Credits usually talks about. Uh, when that news broke in early market action, all tech companies were pretty much up. Except Verizon. Verizon took a hit because of the Tumblr adult content ban. Which is incredible. <laughs> That banning nipples made Verizon's stock price go down. It's a weird thing in society. We don't talk about it much. But it's a widely accepted, unspoken fact that internet platforms, such as Tumblr or Reddit, allow adult content to be posted freely in these gated communities. Yeah. The fact that this news affected Verizon's stock says a lot about our society. We unspokenly accepted the fact that there was adult content on Tumblr. Yeah, everyone everyone in their own way has internalized and lives in a world where this is true, and it is true, that uh, adult content is a commodity that is traded and, and dealt in and used on a near daily basis by every human being on Earth. Yeah. Like, we know that adult content is a commodity, it's just an unspoken one. And there, I'm sure there's different strokes for different folks. Hey. Maybe a lot of people don't use the internet for adult content. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe some do. All I'm saying is, I'm not going to say what camp I'm in, but the Tumblr site... Henry, look at all those tabs on your laptop. But the Tumblr... The, the, like, this is a fascinating thing. As an outside observer, let's call me... In quotes. Yes. Slanted italics. <laughs> yes. Going, visiting some adult content Tumblr sites, it's as though we can see Mount Vesuvius erupting in the distance. Okay. The walls are closing in. Atlantis is sinking. Like, this is a phenomenal, weirdly thing. Mm -hmm. That content creators are like, this is it. This is... Like, I'm not going to continue anywhere else. This was fun while it lasted. I've got so many backlogged content entries, and I'm just going to expedite them. And it was fun while it was it lasted. Goodbye. Yeah. Like, it, it's like, we're on the Titanic, and the band is playing on. There's There are people on Tumblr who uh, ply their trade, whether it is, like, commissioned illustrations or sex work or premium Snapchats or whatever, uh, where... Their their livelihoods are being hurt by this, and I honestly think, uh, and this is it's not a call to action, but it is a minor roast. Uh, if you're one of those people who pretends to care about free speech when it applies to you, 
uh, but you don't care about this and you're not speaking out against this, you don't actually give a shit about free speech. Yeah, that's where I'm coming from. Free speech. (laughs) if, If you're one of those people who genuinely cares about free speech, but the idea that content creators, sex workers, and just people who express themselves are being robbed of their livelihood or their hobby or their passion by a ban on a on adult content something that in and of itself is purely harmless and you're not upset about it then you don't care about free speech you only care about free speech when it applies to you or a very limited set of things i would venture to argue for a certain group of people uh, Christians, to be specific, mm-hmm. they might not care about this because adultery, etc. Mm-hmm. They were brought up in, a, in an upbringing that that did not allow them to ex- explore, experience this side of the internet for fear that they will go to Insane. a bad place. Oh, yes. Well, usually it's just like sinning, you know. Yeah, that's sin. I I, I grew up like that, but that didn't stop me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. As an outside observer. As an outside observer. Not... Com- uh, everyone. 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 I just assume everyone. <laughs> Listeners, fans, everyone. Uh, I I don't know. I, I think that... If nothing else, you should be mad about the fan fiction. There's no place for it to go. Where can fan fiction exist now Fanfiction.net that Tumblr's gone? doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Man, first they came for the furries, and I said nothing. I just, I just don't understand where, after this, I'm going to go for my 900,000 words Kingdom Hearts fanfic. I know, there's no place for it to be. There's no place for... And sure, sure, platforms like Reddit may be able to pick up the slack, but then you have to wade through the overly misogynistic, racist undertones that Reddit just allows to be on their site. And that's something that, for the most part, I think that is, is the greatest thing that's harmed by this, is Tumblr... For all the shitting on Tumblr that I've done in the past for certain uh, communities that I wasn't a fan of or whatever, was too immature to, I guess, understand or whatever, uh, I I think that Tumblr, for the most part, was a community of positivity, uh, and it was a community of body positivity and positivity in art and creation and supporting people, and I think that it's a massive loss. It, It was a place where anyone could find their crowd. Yeah, and know that they weren't alone in their specific interests, whether it be adult or not. It it was, it wasn't like a safe space, but it, it was a space. The world is erupting. I don't know if this is being gone, <laughs> but like sirens are enveloping <laughs> my apartment. They've come for the presenting nipple. <laughs> but it was a place where it was a judgment-free zone. Because like, even if someone. There wasn't really a, a space for people to, like, tear down people. Yeah. Because even if there were comments, you didn't really have to read them. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that Tumblr was a very positive place for a certain kind of thing, and that's gone. And honestly, it, the greatest fear that I have as an outside observer, uh, even though everyone, is that 
it's very hard to find a positive space for that kind of thing. Yeah. Because positive... There's something about that kind of thing that breeds, like, negativity and hatred and xenophobia that just kind of exists in that sphere. And if you were someone for whom you found comfort in whatever adult content there was on Tumblr and being surrounded by like-minded individuals and that's where you found comfort, that's something that will no longer exist after today. And it's a really weird thing to think about as a person who happens to be a straight white male. But the internet, when it comes to its adult content... Tends to be very vanilla. Yeah, I think that there is a certain level of, like, inherent heteronormativity and bullying that exists in almost every standard channel of adult content on the internet. And I think that for people that have identities that weren't totally in line with societal expectations that Tumblr was a great, safe space for them for content like that. And even for the minority of people who aren't one of those sort of uh, identities, aren't one of those people who identify as something other than what they are, or identify as, I don't know how to phrase that the best. Even for us straight white males. (laughs) Us straights. Us straights. Whose, whose tendencies in adult content that tend to s- just deviate, even just a little bit from the vanilla-ness of the internet. Everyone's weird. Yeah. Everyone. Like, no kink-shaming, but like... Yeah, like even Wait, did you say no kink-shaming or no king-shaming? Kink. Okay, I will never stop shaming kings. Yeah, shame your kings. But don't shame your kinks. <laughs> even, like, even something like as tame, I'm going to say tame, as BDSM. Mm-hmm. You walk up to a, a just a, a run-of-the-mill straight white guy and say, oh, are you, you know, how, how do you feel about BDS, BDSM? They're going to recoil and be like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Well, Tumblr was a place where, like, people who are into weird shit could feel normal. Yeah. It, it is vitally important for people to have safe spaces where they can feel like those things are normal. Because they are. Because everyone. And, and it was a place where... <laughs> I don't know. It's like everywhere you look in the media, everywhere where sexuality comes up in the media, it's always the same tired out, played out things. Like, oh, a white guy looking at like a hot girl. And yeah. that that's supposed to be the epitome of white guy sexuality. And I mean, it. All, a lot of that comes down to the fact that uh, what I like to call the horny media uh, is... We as a culture have made great strides in fairly recent years to be more inclusive of others, to be more accepting. But generally, things like that, anything that deals with the human libido is still uh, sexist, racist, xenophobic, to a degree nationalist. Yeah. Like, all of our worst tendencies that we are trying to breed out of the public, like, are totally accepted for things like that. Like, even even in the popular conception of such ideas, we have been so conditioned to believe this, like, weird, racist, sexist narrative that we never question it. That's just what normal is. And anything outside of that is weird. It, it's, it is weird. 
Because, like, sexuality is still such a taboo subject. Like, in America, I, people make this comparison all the time. You know, you, you can't show, like, a female presenting nipple. Uh-huh. But people can get disemboweled and dismembered and just torn apart. You can show all the violence you want. But the second a female presenting nipple comes up, it's a huge controversy. And so sexuality is a, this huge taboo subject to the point where... We haven't talked about it enough to make it not problematic. I always go back to uh, my favorite interview with a friend of the podcast, George R.R. Martin. Uh, When he's talking about representation of sexuality in media, because he was asked in an interview uh, if there's been a negative reaction to how sexual his books are, uh, which earned, those characters are like 14, Uh, But he always said in that interview that he found it bizarre that in America we would much rather see a skull, an axe entering a skull than a blank entering a blank. Yeah. Yeah. That is what he said. And I. I Did he say the blanks? No. He said the dirty words. See, even even right now in our our non censored. uh, podcast, you're censoring yourself. Okay, fine. I can I can go back and de edit it. He said that people would prefer to see an axe entering a skull than a hand entering a butt. Wow, that that's not what I thought <laughs> you would say. He went very far with it. Yeah. He went very far. But that's I, there's a problem with language and that language I I say this probably once every other episode. Language per- shapes our perception of the world. And when you don't talk about things, there's just a huge blank spot. So anyone could put anything there. I mean, the most dangerous thing that can exist in the human mind is uh, a field of ignorance. Like, because, I don't know. There, there's this idea in science that the, the inexplicable, which is the most dangerous concept, is just a, an ever-shrinking bubble of ignorance. Uh, and having a bubble of ignorance in your subconscious is one of the most difficult things to have because that opens you up to to subjugation and influence to certain ends. Whereas if you if you knew objectively what these truths were, then that's just the truth. Whereas if you're someone who's raised in an environment where you believe that certain things are evil or immoral or sinful, uh, and you don't actually know what those things actually are. Uh, then you're open to, you're open to being what's the word? Uh, manipulated, manipulated into feeling shame for something that's totally natural. What? Yeah. My head went in a lot of spaces just now. There's a lot to talk about here. I I thought we'd have more goofs about the Tumblr banning nipples, but it's actually a really a uh, grave indictment <laughs> of society as a whole. But it's just, it's a huge thing in America. Like I feel like other countries, sexuality isn't that big of a deal. But in America, we're having this revolution after revolution. There's like the women's sexuality revolution, and now we're in like this. Armadillo sexuality revolution. Well, non-binary sexuality revolution. That is really my favorite arcade game, to go back to Wreck-It Ralph. I really love to spend a dollar on non-binary sexual revolution. Well, no, it's just just this awakening that things are not as black and white as the 1950s would have led you to believe. Yeah, everything's a spectrum. 
everything's a spectrum and that includes sexuality, but we're not talking about it enough for people to really explore it. And so when it when you close down these spaces, these pocketed little internet spaces where fluidity was actually like a component, the internet just gets more and more vanilla. And that's just boring. I really thought when we were talking about Tumblr taking away female presenting nipple uh, that I would not feel as strongly about as I do. And I mean, even before this, I felt like it was a grave uh, free speech insult. But the more we talk about it, I feel just so bad. In addition to the previously mentioned sex workers who are like subjugated on a daily basis for just trying to survive, I feel so bad for the people who in the fucked up like psychosexual climate of late stage capitalism they found some comfort there and now they're being forced into places that don't either don't cater to them or denigrate subjugate and oppress them yeah their their rock has been lifted up and now they have to scurry into the unforgiving sunlight where it has not been engineered for them to survive and meanwhile, the husk that remains, whatever is left of Tumblr, will just fall into the annals of failed websites. Have you ever had a Tumblr? Yeah. Me too. I think everyone's had one at some point. Maybe. Mine was just uh, reblogging pictures of cyberpunk women presenting nipples. <laughs> Mine was, uh, I used it for a class that I taught. Oh, okay. So it was very safe for work and mainly followed a bunch of video game tumblers. Okay. Yeah. So that works. All like those it. other ones are getting banned, though. Yeah. They're posting pictures of Tracer from Overwatch, a game that I've been reading about. I'm already Tracer. It's a meme. Oh. It's a meme. Certain Overwatch memes. <laughs> Wait. That's the dumbest sentence you've ever said on the podcast. Wait, let me try to say two to three Overwatch memes. This is how we'll close out the show. Really? I really don't want to, but I can. Number one, I'm Genji. That's not a meme. Okay, let me... What's a meme? Meme it. Okay. Memeify. Okay. Wait, hold. the meme is Gen uh, head of a Genji, right? And he's got his samurai sword, and he's slicing down one of his opponents, and uh, the opponent has the word depression, and then the sword has the word self-care over it. Is that okay? Is that it's working? It's a pretty wholesome meme. Okay. Well, if you don't want to keep going, you don't I, have to. Wait, hold on. There's a character, I believe, called Hamball. <laughs> <laughs> He's a hamster in a ball. Anyway. I think his name is Wrecking Ball and his name is Hammy. So, uh, Hamball is emerging from his hamster ball. Uh, and, uh, and the Hamball says female and then the hamster says presenting nipple. <laughs> That's horrible. Uh, is that accurate? <laughs> is that accurate to Overwatch memes? <laughs> Who knew it would be so hard to make memes? Just I, off the top of your head. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I could make that last one and get some kind of heat off of it. Uh. 
sad. I wish there was like like a happier resolution of the Tumblr thing. Can you believe? It's a sinking ship. What happy ending could come out of a sinking ship? Leonardo DiCaprio could still be alive. He turned into Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> Back. Oh shit! Have what you not a, seen Aquaman? What yet? a twist ending to Titanic! Have you have you not seen Aquaman with its amazing catchphrase? I'm the son of the land, but the king of the sea. What is that? The tagline? To, it's something to like DC's that. Aquaman. Aquaman, December nineteenth. Sure, go see it. All right, I, I've seen commercials for Aquaman. It looks like a fucking video game. Get that shit out of my face. I don't think we have enough time to uh, to we indict don't. the entirety of the DC Cinematic Universe's aesthetic. That is for next episode. <laughs> yeah, the next episode will do a full breakdown of the DC Cinematic Universe. And what we are calling DC Ember. <laughs> no! Uh, hard, 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 hard. You don't want to do DC Ember? Hard veto. <laughs> but it's so clever. Do you think there'd be... This is dangerous. Yes. Uh, do you think there'd be meat on the bones? No. Of us watching every canon DC Cinematic Universe film? So that'd be Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Holy shit, I've seen most of these. Batman versus Superman. Uh-huh. Donna Justice. Yep. <laughs> Batman versus Superman versus Donna Justice. No, Don, 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 Donna Justice is an attorney. I'm Donna, Ju- Donna Justice is a is a no frills dissent. No, hold on. Uh, what I said is right. Donna Justice is a no frills dissent attorney from New York, and she's here to teach you a lesson about apocalypse. Was the next the next one was Justice League. Yeah. And then Wonder Woman? Yes. That's it. It's four movies. There was no Flash movie? Not yet. That's coming after the Aquaman movie. Weren't there two Superman movies? Were there two Superman? No, it was just Zod, right? Yeah, no, there was Man of Steel. Man of Steel. And then there wasn't there another one with Henry Cavill? Yes, Batman versus Superman versus Donna Justice. We'll look it up and then we won't do it. I'll look it. No, we need to settle this. Okay. What is it called? The DCCU. You're not gonna find shit. Delta. No one calls it that. Delta. Delta Community Credit Union. Great. Very yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Um. Oh, they call it the DC Extended Universe for some reason. The DC... That's not easy to say. Oh, the DQ? Here here it is. Okay. The definitive DC Extended Universe, for everyone who's dying to know, Man of Steel, Uh Batman vs. Superman, Donna Justice, Uh Suicide Squid, Uh Wonder Woman, Justice League, Uh Aquaman. I've seen four out of six of those movies. I have seen one, two, three, four. I've seen five of the movies that are out, and I'm probably going to see... So you've seen all of the movies that are... So really, there's no point in us watching all of them. Nor should we. I'd watch them again. Let's... uh, We can't do this. Not anytime soon. Yeah. We We got December plans, John. We got December plans... You new w- year, new long form fucking bullshit. We can do that next year, but before the year ends, we have to do our best worst. 
Oh, shit. I forgot that we did a best worst of the year. Best worst. We've done one for 2016. Uh-huh. We did one last year for 2017. And this year, you bet your barnacles we're doing... Rest in peace, Steven. We're doing 2018. So, uh, is this going to be similar to the previous best worst where we come up with our categories arbitrarily? Or did they actually move over from 16 to 17? 16, 17, uh, there were some carryovers. I believe a few of the categories carried over. Uh-huh. But then the last few categories, I believe it was three or so. Uh-huh. We had our, 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 our extensive audience decide them for us. I think that's probably a good idea this year. And that sounds like a next podcast problem. Yeah. Because we have, what is it? So we have this, then the upcoming one. I feel like the... Then the podcast after that, and then we both go our separate ways for Christmas. I feel like the last episode of the year is usually the best worst. That that lines up. But I want to hype it up early. Yeah. So people can get them submissions in for the what they want us to debate. Because we always debate. We debate what is the best and the worst of the categories. What category do you want us to debate? Tell us. On our social media, and I'm going to send it over to a little friend I call John to explain just how you can do that. So if you want to reach out to us on our various social media platforms, I'm going to take this a little bit differently than I usually do. Instead of making a fun goof, I'm just going to give them all to you factual style, which is my fetish. So number one, if you want to send us your nominations for categories for the best worst of 2018 on Twitter, you can do so at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. So that's Z like Zulu, C like Charlie, wait, ZC, P like Papa, C like Charlie, W like Whiskey, H like Hotel, J like Juliet, on Twitter.com, which stands for Henry. One. Two. Oh, nice. Two tries for beer number two. And you can find us on email by looking for Zero Credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Henry. It's beer number three. I'm sorry. Zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com. You can send us a very long email if you want to, but honestly, it's not preferred because uh, who checks their email? We do. And if you write us, we promise we'll mention your name on the show. And if you want to find us on Facebook, if that's your preferred Facebook of choice, you could do so by searching for Zero Credits Podcast in the Facebook search bar. We stream video games sometimes, rarely, thrice on twitch.tv slash zero credits. We have a fantastic Hitman stream where we both get pretty drunk. Uh, play the game, save scum pretty aggressively, and it's stab... It's not save scumming, it's how the game was meant to be played. And stab a woman in the face. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts. So one of the best ways that you can get people to know about the podcast is to comment and rate on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews we get, the more people find out about this. And honestly, as long as you keep rating us on Apple Podcasts. It will keep us from moving to title. And the most important thing you can do of all is word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So tell your friends, tell your wife, tell your knife, and it's time. I've done the knife rhyme so many times. There's only so many things that 
rhymes with wife. Yeah, really, maybe you don't have to tell your wife. Hold on. Tell your friends. Tell your spouse. Light the house on fire. It's zero credits. So if you find anyone that you love, please set their house on fire. And as they are running, screaming as all the things they've ever loved burn to the ground, please tell them about the podcast. We can be their only solace. And I can guarantee you, we will never have a ban on female presenting nipple on this podcast. We are a safe space for such content. Hmm. I had a thought while you were going through your social media plugs. You're that's not allowed. No, what? No, no. I had a thought, and it's more about me than it is about you. Uh, I have reduced the beginning of our podcast to a formula. Okay. I say the same thing every week, and I used to do the same for the outro. No more. I am no longer going to say, and from everyone here on the, at the Zero Credit Studio, we want to wish you a happy week. I'm not going to say that anymore. Okay. Instead, I'm going to say, When you walk away, you don't hear me.